Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Health is Love podcast. This is Dr. Anissa Shomo, the host of the Motivation Monday for Health is Love. And I have a special guest here today with me. This is my sister, Zelina Shomo. And we've known each other our whole lives. So (laughs) I always say how I know people, but we go back to back when I was born, since you're my older sister. So how about you tell everybody what you do and where you live and all that sort of thing? Okay. Hello. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday to you guys. Um, she already introduced me as Zelina Shomo, but to her and my siblings, I'm just Bina. Um, I live in Houston, Texas. I'm a, a professional baker. And um, I make custom cakes for a living. And that's what I do. Okay, awesome. So I guess we should also tell people that we grew up, um, our parents had a had a bakery. So you are taking on the family legacy of um, baking. So uh, we grew up and um, our mother um, had a bakery with our father as well. And it was called Layla's Bakery. So they have tried to create proteges out of all of us, but mm-hmm. you Rest are the protege. <laughs> Rest in peace, Layla's Bakery, man. Yes, we had a lot of good times there. We sure did. And you know, I had a conversation with my friend and she said something. And I tell my dad a lot of stuff and I have like an entrepreneur mind and some of the things, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes we didn't want to go up there all the time. Or I remember one time we was playing any bounce in the street and my dad was like, come on, we got to go. And I was like, so sad because it was almost my turn again. And we was just having so much fun playing any bounce. And um, anyway, being an entrepreneur and taking on the bakery legacy and all of this, like, I feel like, you know, your parents are supposed to have you tap into other things, you know? I don't really know what, what I, where I would be without going up to that bakery all the time. Right. You know, so some I, people, I, I was go just going to say, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about a lot of things. Like people don't, people don't know. I have a really good financial sense from having parents who are business owners and you just learn a lot of skills from having parents who are business owners. And, and I mean, I feel like we have a lot of creativity even in our lives, just from having parents who, who were basically artists, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, like, it's, it's just so it opens your, your mind up to other things. If you ask me, you know, um, and like, it's some things that I didn't understand and I totally understand and I totally get now, you know? So it's, it's very beneficial if you ask me because my dad always had us thinking as owners and my mom as what would we do if we were in a certain situation? That's why like, you know, um, for me to have started off as just not knowing like a soul in Houston 
I was talking to one of my friends yesterday and she was actually one of my customers and she became um, a close friend of mine. And um, she said that her friend said, House of Cake Fairies is pretty popular. And so she was like, she didn't know that that was you. She knew that that was you and that you made cakes, but she didn't know that you were House of Cake Fairies. I said, yeah, I'm pretty popular. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. But, you know, I've I've gotten to be popular coming out of my um, house making cakes and working a a 40-hour or week or more job in a grocery store making cakes by having good customer service. Right. You know, even though this is a business, and even though, you know, I run my own business sometimes, you know, if you don't mind me telling this story, um, I just to, just to set an example, like I see, sometimes I see t- some, uh, some people post things about their customers on social media, this, this, and that, that's not really something I'm into, right. you know? And my dad had told me, like, when it comes to customer service, you're going to have problems here and there. You have to solve the problem and learn from it. The, the customer is only going to teach you to learn from it. So, right. um, so anyway, I think that I've, I've gotten a lot of clientele. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good, I would say. Um, I'm consistent. I think you're more than pretty good. I think that you are amazing. <laughs> people, people will look you up. They can look you up on Instagram. They can look you up on Facebook. But a lot of people who are who are listening to this already know you and already know you're amazing. So, anybody doesn't know, if anybody doesn't know, uh, check out my sister's uh, page. And you'll you'll find out too if you're ever in Houston. Sometimes some, I know you'll mail us stuff, but I know you don't like to mail stuff all the time. But you know, do house do of cake work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reason why I say that is because now I, I'm pretty good. You know, I do a good job and all of that. But at the same time, it's people who are better than me. Yeah. But I I you know have better clientele than them. The, the reason being is because when it comes to customer service, when it comes to doing things, when it comes to, you know, showing up and rain, hail, sleet, snow. Right. And that professionalism. That professional, I'm there. I'm there. I have all, all of that, you know. And so um, it's a it's a real it's a real big part of it. It's not just all about you know, what you're selling and what you're doing. Right. Because I mean, there's a lot of people who are very skilled at what they do. And I would say that too. I mean, there's a lot of, you could always be, anybody could always be better at what they do. And that's part of just life and growing and having more experience and that sort of thing. And and just staying humble. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the skill, the skill and the professionalism together will take you way further than just having the skill and no professionalism, you know? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But that's what that's what really growing up in that bakery taught us. We really learned a lot of professionalism skills. We really learned that your professionalism, like you you eat based on that. Like if you don't have yep. professional skills, then then, yep. then you're not gonna eat. There's no dinner tonight, you know? Yep. So um I was I was I don't I don't know if I worked at this particular time, 
but I think I did because um, I think I was still working because I was kind of in a rush. Okay. So um, you mean working, long- uh, working at the grocery store? Yeah. Working at the grocery store. So I'm not, I'm not for sure why I was, cause you know, I would, um, it was towards the end. I believe it was towards the end of me working, but I had a, I had a schedule at the grocery store, you know, versus my schedule at home, you know? Right. So, um, this young lady came and she didn't like her cake. So she had owed me the cake was like $85 and she was saying that, you know, she didn't want the cake. It wasn't what she asked for and this and this and that. And all actuality, it was everything she asked for. I didn't think nothing was wrong with this cake. Right. You know, and I was a little upset, but I was actually in a rush. Yeah. This particular day, I didn't work at the time, but I had a wedding cake due and I I needed to, I needed to go, you know? So, and she, uh, she was giving me all these problems about this cake. And so I could have easily just told her no and whatever, and not giving her her money back because I felt like this particular lady was getting over on me. Like, I felt some type of way about it, but I said, you know what? I'm busy. And it, her tone changed, my turn, ch- my tone changed. So it's like, you know, now we're in fight or flight mode. And so I chose to flight because I don't have time to fight you. And I'm not here to fight anyone over a cake, right. you know? And so um, I gave her her money back. And I let her keep the cake because the cake was really in her car at this particular time. So there's nothing I could really do or give me the cake because it seemed like that wasn't an option either Right. with her. So I just went on. I gave her the $85 back because, like I said, our voices was escalating. And I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my, sh- you know, <laughs> right. but at the same time, like, I know when somebody is trying to come for me. So right. let me just go ahead and give you this money and go on about my business. Right. And I needed that money. I was upset because I needed that money. I worked for it. I felt I deserved it. Now, if there's a situation and you know I didn't do what the customer asked me to do, or I forgot something, or I messed up, or this and this and that, but this wasn't that, you know. Right. Um so anyway, I continued to work because I didn't have time. So I worked when my next customer came, she tipped me $10. My next customer came, tipped me $15. My next customer came, tipped me this. Everybody for the rest of the day tipped me. So at the end of the day, I had exactly $85 in tips. Wow. Now, you cannot tell me that that's not God, first of all. Second of all, I said, you know, it it was meant for me to do this job, you know, and I really feel like God is going to provide. Like, I remember it was a situation in um, Cleveland where, you know, a girl didn't like her hair and they ended up putting their hands on that girl 
in in the shop and all of this and was trying to take the hair out her head like you know like you don't let yeah. nobody trick you out your spot you know right yeah and that's the whole thing like people it's just weird there are some people who are who really try to go out of their way to try to give you a bad day but the best thing you know like like Michelle Obama says when they go when they go low you go high which of course doesn't work in every moment it depends on it depends on really what kind of state of mind you're in if you if you are in the state of mind where you feel whole enough to to let things go so because of course we're all human and it's gonna be moments we don't feel like that yeah but, yeah, you know, when you can help it, but when you can help it, I mean, you'll mm-hmm. always get that back. You'll you will always get that energy back, even when people mm-hmm. are trying to give you bad energy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's transition to talk about a difficult time in your life. Um, so we'll talk about a difficult time in your life and how you coped with that time, and if you would change anything in the future. Um, and then we'll just have a conversation about um you know on that topic okay well you know I've actually had a couple of difficult times in my life um I'm having one right now but I would say um the one that has of course uh it has molded me it has changed me it's still uh comes up every now and then and it's a part of who I am it's a part of my story is uh when I went to prison at 18 yeah so that that really was I mean it's a part it's a that was a difficult time in my life but um it really wasn't like being an 18 year old uh going to prison like I was a little upset um I felt like the judge uh, over-sentenced me. How long did you get sentenced for? I got sentenced for eight months, but I only did, only did, um, only did four months. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, they ended up kicking her off the bench because they said she was too harsh. Uh, it was a story a while ago about her. Um, I don't know if it was it was while or before I had seen her. Well, anyway, um, it was a lady that was in there and she wanted bond because she wanted to get an abortion. And they the lady told her, no, you know, um, I'm not giving you bond because you want to get an abortion because I don't believe in abortion. Yeah. But anyway, like daddy has sent me an article about her this was after I was out of prison about a year or two later and they were saying that you know they had kicked her off the bench because she was too harsh right but the whole thing about like the whole thing though is like when you're 18 years old it's kind of like I don't know it's just rough because as 18 year old like black people we don't really get second chances and so it's like a moment when a judge could have been like you're 18 years old you just became Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. legal to even go to prison right and and to even send you to prison in the first place was kind of ridiculous but then then to like have you know an eight-month sentence for something that could have been way shorter you know and that's the whole thing when we talk about the criminal justice system there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who can really affect people 
at you know at any moment like mm-hmm. it's just and like it was can- for weed marijuana which is now legal right i wonder if i can get that um off my record now so anyway like that the one of the scariest moments you know was being there and actually coping with where i am you know um yeah. i uh it was it was real when you know you're riding on that bus down to Marysville that's the uh corrections facility for women in Ohio um and you see those bob wires i don't care what type of person you are or whatever once you see them bob wires they do something to you you know and so anyway i said that that's that's been that was a hard time in my life it kind of set the bar for some of the things that transpired after that when some of them was good some of them was bad you know but um I didn't realize how that's where I'm going into um how I feel that that really wasn't the the hardest time in my life now and I'm gonna be honest with you Going to prison at such a, a young age, it really, it really helped me. That's why I really wasn't that angry. Yeah. I really wasn't that angry because of the simple fact, like, um, it's a lot of young girls in there and it's a lot of girls in there, period, who did some of the same things that I did and had a lot more time. Yeah. So it was something that I needed to see. And, you know, once again, God spoke to me. He said, look, you're going to go down this road or you're going to go when you finish your time, you're going back to where you're going and you're going to get this cake journey started. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so it was a total eye opener for me. And so, you know, a lot of people. I don't know, I can't I can't say that they wasn't rehabilitated or this and this and that. But for me. I just, I just, mm-mm. it just, just wasn't somewhere. That, yeah. You're just happy that you like experienced that at a young age. So you can know like this ain't for me. Like, yeah. Not only if this is, this is not for me, it molded a lot of decisions after I came home. Like I remember it was this one situation me and this girl got into it and you know, she stole from me and this and this and that, and everybody wanted me to do something about it. And this and this and that I'm, I'm, I'm letting her be, I'm not doing anything about it. I don't care. You know? And right. everybody said this and this and that. Well, you know, you've never been to prison before. So you don't know how it feels to be locked up in a, a cage. You don't know how, you know, you have to do X, Y, Z. You don't know. You don't know none of that. So you can think because sometimes, you know, when you're angry and someone has has harmed you or, or did something to you, you know, if you let if you let people, you know, get you going, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, I'm not doing that. You know, yeah, I'm not doing like, that's thing. assault. That's assault. That's a crime. Like, uh, I got, to, yeah. like, I got things to lose. <laughs> I got things to lose. And that's what I remember hanging out with somebody like in my thirties and they were talking about, they were trying to like fight me. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> like we are grown people. I'm not going to jail for you. You are not that important. Like, <laughs> get away from me. Go on somewhere else. That is not how mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. So it, it molded me to 
it made me make a lot better decisions because I had spent the rest of my years a little bit conscious of I could go to jail for that, you know? Right. And so me personally, yeah, it was a hard time in my life. And some sometimes it still comes back to haunt me every now and then. It's some things that you can't get when you're a convicted felon forever. It's some places you can't live forever. It's, you know, some grants that I can't get forever. Right. You know, but for the most part, that was pretty hard. And it actually brought me to the second hardest time in my life is when, um, when I came home from prison, I had had a job in a grocery store bakery making cakes and I had had that job before I had went to prison and they held my job for me. And so when I came home, they had gave me my job back. Yeah. And so um, every time I needed a day off, every time I wanted to talk about a raise, because I was good. Like, let's be clear. I was good. You know? Um, and making cakes is something that I love to do. So not only am I good at it, I'm there and I'm happy. Right. You know, so I was always pleasing customers, de-escalating situations. I remember, uh, the two, the two ladies, the two mean ladies, they worked all, they worked every day except for pretty much Sunday. So like everybody would love to see me Sunday. Um, the customers that would come to the bakery because I was just so nice and so friendly because oh, when they were there, you couldn't, I couldn't really shine and show how I really felt about what I was doing, you know? Right. And I feel like that's, that's, that's a whole nother conversation in itself about sometimes uh, happiness and things that go on in inner cities. Like I knew that I had to get out of Cleveland because I knew that you know, I had to be a shark there and I want to be a fish. I just want to, I want to be like Dory and Nemo. I'm lost somewhere. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm so green. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's okay to have shark instincts, but it's okay to be a fish as well too, right. you know? So, and I felt like there's in some places in a lot of impoverished neighborhoods or whatever you have to be a shark you have to have this wall up you have to be something that you don't want to be right you know and so anyway but on Sundays oh my goodness it was everybody loved me and I loved everybody but anyway so I when it comes to asking for a day off it was it was never it was always something a raise it was something a day off it was something like I can, I remember I wanted a day off to go to um, one of Carla's kids' birthday parties and it was a big thing. Like I cried and everything. So anyway, um, they will always bring up the fact that they hired me back when I came home from prison. First of all, you know, jobs get, um, a lot of companies get money for hiring convicted felons. Okay. Mm -hmm. They get tax credits and they get like a whole, a whole, a nice amount of money for you. Like basically the, the government pays for me to be there. Right. So, um, for one and for two, like 
if I wasn't a good employee, you wouldn't have hired me back. Right. You know? And y'all really didn't hire me back. Y'all actually held my job for me. Right. And didn't know I was coming home early. So you was going to hold it for the whole eight months. So anyway, um, I ended up quitting that job. And I didn't understand how hard it was to find another one. (laughs) Because I had never experienced that as a convicted felon now you know right I'm thinking it's easy because you know I got my job back straight from prison so I I never experienced that I, I I don't think that I would have have quit if I would have known that but at the same time it was time for me to go and it was time for me everything so no I don't I think that was pretty hard and I don't think that um I don't really think I would have changed anything because if I would change something I wouldn't be where I am today you know yeah but the the biggest question is how did you how did you cope with all of that like how did you when you were in prison like how did you get through it and then like when you were when you lost that job or when you were trying to get a new job you know what were you going through um because I mean the biggest thing about like being a felon is you know that when they talk about like the new Jim Crow and all that sort of thing being delegated Mm -hmm. now to to the Mm -hmm. second class citizenship even beyond uh-huh. being a black woman, like being a black woman is already hard enough. But then to have that, have that like uh-huh. triple, quadruple blow of now you're a felon and it's hard uh-huh. to do a lot of things. So I didn't at the time I didn't realize I was coping. You know, um, what I did was I had my own thing going on with you still making cakes on the side and stuff like that, you know? Right. So I, I just, I just, you know, got into entrepreneurship and was doing my thing and I was living, but I did some things wrong. And from me doing things wrong, I kind of um, let me and my friends run my business. So basically they kind of ruined my business, but I pretty much ruined my business because, you know, I shouldn't have had my friends working for me in the first place. So, and what had actually happened was since it was my idea and my ideas was working, you know, one friend tried to do the same thing I was doing. So she went her separate way, of course. And then one friend got jealous um, and didn't want to work for me anymore. And then um, I felt like my other friend was a little sabotagey, you know? Right. So. Frenemy. Yeah. So that was pretty hard to cope with. Um, in the end, because in the end, I ended up, you know, being homeless. And um, it humbled me. And I just was keeping it going. So I was just trying to, you know, find me a job. I was trying to work. I was trying to do this. And I just was keeping my head above water. But in all actuality, too, to be honest with you guys, I started doing back doing stuff that I had no business doing that actually had put me in prison in the first place. So because I have to eat, I have to keep a roof over my head. And I didn't have that. So 
I did go back to doing things that I had no business doing. Yeah. So, you know, um, so you were just, you know, you were kind of not really feeling more like coping mode, but more just like in survival mode of just trying to, trying to eat and trying to live. Cause I mean, I think exactly. the thing is like, you know, there's coping, trying to get through things like, you mm -hmm. know, but then there's also just not even having time to cope. Cause you're just trying to live and survive, you know? Yeah. I, I definitely wasn't coping. I was just trying to live and survive. I was definitely in survival mode. That's the mode I was in. And so yeah. I just, uh, I had a conversation with Carla and Carla was like, you know, you got to figure this out because you can't keep, you know, doing what you're doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, I know I do. And it was like, <clears throat> I, I was thinking to myself and I was just like, you know, I remember when I was in prison um, and I don't, I don't care about the second lady who said it to me, but knowing what I know now and being an entrepreneur and, you know, I have young Girls come in my door all the time and they say that they love me because I always give them a positive advice. And I, like I told my one employee, she was doing something she had no business doing. I said, girl, don't you end up on the four, uh, episode of For My Man? You know, right, right. stop it now. So anyway. Um, so I just want to say real lady, quick, you were talking about Carla. Say who that is. That's our oldest sister, Carla. Okay. Yeah. That's our oldest sister. I think having big sisters are great. And, yeah. um, especially if you have big sisters that are consistent and, um, you know, just positive. Yeah. yeah they've gotten us through a lot. Like I've, I've, our two oldest sisters are the most positive people in our family. Um, just kind of like second mothers and always mm -hmm. trying to keep us on track and hold us accountable. I feel like more than anything, hold, holding people accountable and now, and they want to see you win. You know what I mean? It's yep. one, we have, we have some other older sisters who, who definitely don't want to see you win, who want to see you fail. So we kind of tend to tend to not be around them as much, but yeah. those two they sisters. definitely have set the bar, you know, and I believe, <laughs> and, and that's another thing I tell young ladies that work for me, especially if they're the oldest child, you, you know, you, you don't have no room for error because you have your little sisters looking up to you. You know, right. now I don't know what I would do if I had my my other sisters looking up. I mean, you know, if, if I was following behind them and right. not them, you know, because it usually tends, you know, little sisters do follow their big, big sisters. Right. So I know for um, me, like when you went to prison, I didn't do nothing ever. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I was like 15 when you went to prison. I was like, oh, no. I can't do nothing ever. I got to stay in school. I got to do my life together. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, we, we learned a lot of lessons from the mistakes of our older sisters. I'm the sixth child, if people don't know that. But so having five older sisters, um, I learned a lot. I learned some positive messages from my, my two older sisters and some negative messages from them too, because they, they didn't do everything perfect either. But Right. Nobody does. No, that's what you take, you know? Right. Same thing, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to to do that time. And, you know, you was able to think that way. Like, you know, oh, no, I can't do nothing. I'm not doing none of this. Yes. They, remember, I used to tell you that. Like, uh-uh. No, you never let me do nothing even before that. But <laughs> uh -uh. Because you were so smart. Like, who didn't see that you were smart and that, you know, you wanted to be a doctor 
And I knew what that took. And like, no, you, 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 you getting out of here. You're going to do something with yourself, you know? But that's and, what I really appreciate about having older sisters who wanted to see you win. Because like I said, you yeah. know, there were some who, who really didn't care whether you win or not. But having older sisters who want to see you win can be one of the most powerful things for a young person, especially coming from where we're from. From the mm-hmm. from the inner city, like just having having people to look up to and who who want to speak life into you, I feel like they spoke so much life into us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said I was. What I was saying was when I had went to um, when I had first caught my case, I had went to um, to the county jail, and there was a lady there. She was a black lady, and she told me that I'm in there at 18, and I was going to be she was going to see me for the next 20 years because if I'm in there at 18, that I was going to be in there in and out for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. And the reason why she said 20 years is she was like, because I'm a retire. And so I was like, I didn't really think much of it. I said, lady, you won't see me again. And she said, I'm pretty sure I will. So when I was sentenced, you know, of course, she seen me again. I said, lady, I'm just here to do my time and go home. You know, are you, you seeing me because I got sentenced and I'm going to prison. That's why you see me. Um, but anyway, when I was leaving Marysville, um, a white lady this time said it and she was like, you know, I'll see you next time. And so I was like, you won't see me again. She was like, I'm pretty sure I will. And so <clears throat> I always had this thing in my head where like, no, y'all waiting for me to come back. I'm never coming back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I kind of, I try to be cautious. So that's why like, I kind of went out of school and I was like, I have to do it. To do the right thing, I have to do the right thing, and I have to, I have to move around. So that's when I left. I said, if I don't, I gave myself a deadline. At this point, I'm 22. I said, no, I'm I'm 21. I said, um, if I don't find a job by February 22nd, a month after my 22nd birthday, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. It's something else for me somewhere else. And what made me realize that is because I tried to get a job at KFC just to, you know, keep my head above water. I'm in survival mode and I need to stop doing what I'm doing. And I'll take that, you know, for now, because I know that I just need this for right now so I can, you know, start doing my cake stuff, building my business up that way and X, Y, Z. And then, you know, going back into doing what I was doing, but just a different way because I kind of messed everything up. And so then people told me that they couldn't hire me because I had a felony. I said, oh no, I got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And so I left and, um, you know, Houston, Texas is my second home and there's lots of jobs all over here. This hiring convicted felons, if that information helps anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy that you did leave because, I mean, I remember I remember being young and you trying to figure all of that out. 
and just seeing, seeing it be rough, you know? Um, like I said, for me, for me, you know, I understand that people go through their own different journeys. Um, and so for me, I just, I never, I never am the, the type of person to ever judge anybody. I know that people are going through different things and they need their time and they need their moment. Um, so, you know, it's just one, it's just one of those things as part of life of trying to figure out where you belong on that journey and where you belong on that path. But mm -hmm. I just really have always admired you for never giving up because a lot of people would have gave up and just said, you know what? I don't know what I'm about to do. I guess I should just go back to prison. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, just, I'm about to be a lady thug. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> and it's just like life just keep kicking you and, and, you know, bringing you down so many times that, you know, I'm glad that for you, you were just like, I got to go to a different city because this can't be it. And just mm -hmm. maintaining that hope because I feel like so many people get so hopeless but knowing mm -hmm. that you having that insight to know, like, I just need to go somewhere else and try something else and see if it's different somewhere else because it, this can't be the this can't be the end all be all, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think, and I I tell people that, you know, all the time. Some of my friends call me with their problems, and they say this, and they say that. You know, you got to change some things up. It's it's, you know, you have to, you, you, I'm only telling you what I did, you know, it's just some, some things, it's just some situations that just on you, you know, you have to remove yourself and really focus on you. And it takes, and my, um, my aunt Terry said, you know, she lives in California. Uh, now her and her, uh, husband, my uncle Ben, they moved out there when I was like six, but anyway, um, my Aunt Terry, she said, when you live in a, a, a city by yourself, you have no choice. You, you have no backbone. You have no friends. You have no family. You have nothing but time and um, to, to get yourself together and stand because you all you got wherever you are. Right. And she was like, you know, and that builds something different in you. And it's, it's good because when it, when it builds you, it builds you, you know? Right. So that was really a, a true statement to me. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't give up. I just, I wanted something better and I, I got it. Right. So I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You've done an amazing, amazing job there in Houston. How long have you been there now? Like 20 years? Um. I've been in Houston, I believe, 18. 18 because years. remember, I, I left I left Cleveland and I did door-to-door -door sales for like two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had came to Houston and then like, I really wasn't good at door-to-door -door sales, but the program, the motivational uh, guy who ran the program and all of that type of stuff, it was actually very motivation. It actually gave me a lot of hustle as far as rain, sleet, hail, snow. Right. You know, even though daddy gave it to me too, but at the same time, like, you know, it was a little bit more and intense and it was always something positive, you know, even right. though it was supposed to reflect the the door-to-door -door sales and it was supposed to do this, like, I think that that was what I was supposed to gain from it because, you know, and... um it was like, I wanted to go there to make money, to save, 
and to save for my business and for my bakery, but it didn't end up being that way. And I had to, you know, leave that, that journey because I used to see these guys, they used to make all this money and, and they would do nothing with it. Like they were making a lot of money. And so I would stick around because I'm like, man, if I made the kind of money they was making, you know, I would, I would get my bakery. I would do this. I would do that. So I was hopeful holding on to that. But then once I just realized, I said, you know what, it's time for me to get away from here. Right. You learned, you, you learned from it, what you were supposed to learn from it. Yep. Yep. And that's how that go. A lot of people think that, um, and some people think that, you know, I'm ashamed that I did that Uh, job, but start that over. Sorry. The doorbell just went off. Mm -hmm. I said, some people think that, you know, um, I'm ashamed that I did door-to-door sales or whatever. No, I'm not. I'm not. That's a part of my life. That's what I did. I thought that it would be more money in it, you know, for um, everyone, no matter how many sales you made. And some situations happened there, you know, that uh, that shouldn't have. And I was around people that I shouldn't have been around. But at the same time, like I actually learned a lot. I learned a lot. Right. And um, now, like all the door-to-door people that come to my house of course they love coming to my house you know I'm buying I'm buying everything <laughs> I'm giving out $40 tips if I'm not buying it if I got it on me I don't have time I'm not being rude to anybody do you need a glass of water here I know my magazines is never coming but let me get a hundred dollars worth anyway That's here you go I'm, I'm that way too actually <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the whole thing about a lot of things that I feel like a lot of people live life ashamed of different situations. And it's like, I mean, you know, of course, we're there are going to be moments that we're not proud of. But mm-hmm. I think that we just kind of understand you have to just understand that there, that's just how life works. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, you're going to yeah. make mistakes, but you have to, you know, just count that as a learning experience. And I think that sometimes people are afraid of failure or they count things as failures. And it's just like, you know, sometimes things are not going to work out the way you thought they were going to work out, but you mm-hmm. learn from it and you learn that that wasn't for you, you know? <laughs> it wasn't for you. And it, it was nothing but a lesson. It's nothing right. but a lesson and a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. All right. Well, it was really great having you on my show today, sister. I'm always so inspired by you. You are, I always say you're my big sister because you're the sister that's right over me. Um, But it was really, it was really great looking up to you when I was young. And even like I said, in the moments when you made mistakes, you always learned a lesson from it and came back positive and just ready to, and just ready to figure it out, you know? So Mm -hmm. always, always loved having conversations with you growing up. And even now, like you're one of the sisters I talk to the most. Um, And I just really love all the conversations that we have talking about all types of stuff, customer service, businesses, Mm -hmm. all types of stuff that we talk about. We have a lot of great conversations. So I just thank you so much for being a great big sister. And I'm really proud of you and all all of the things you've been able to accomplish in Houston with House of Cake Fairies. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on your show. And um, I really didn't have anything to do, but I knew you had to get off here and do your class. So (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you too. 
I enjoyed this time. Bye-bye. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday.